Welcome, everybody, to the Game Vault Podcast. I am your host, Mark. How's everybody doing out there? I hope uh, you're ready for this new era of the podcast as I host it and we talk question mark less Final Fantasy VII? <laughs> we'll <mark>? see. <laughs> so I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Jenny. Jen, hello, how hello. you doing? Not too shabby. How about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. And in our revolving chair of guests, um, who, secret, might be in it more often than not, um, is our good friend Jonathan. Jonathan, Hello. how are you doing? I'm excited to repla- to be Tom's replacement. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, uh, guys, um, I guess we'll get right into the uh, what have you been playing. Um, uh, let's start with uh, let's start with our guest, Jonathan. What have you been up to? Yeah. So I, um, you both know I've been playing Elden Ring, but that's not really the thing I want to talk about. I mm-hmm. like it. It's it's good. Everybody likes it. It not much to talk about here. Um, but I, you two saw my reaction to Stranger of Paradise um, on one of the streams yeah. earlier this week. So I had really been looking forward to this for over a year or two. I was very excited for uh, Nomura made a game where he licensed Limp Bizkit music. <laughs> That's the thing we knew from the trailers. We we knew that, and then we knew that um, it was being the like combat stuff was being made by Team Ninja, which are the people who made Ninja Gaiden Black and Neo. So this game gave me a lot of empathy for a group of people that I did not know existed. And that is Bayonetta fans who were excited for Near Automata. Because the thing with Near Automata is the first ga- uh, Near game was like a cult classic um, there were a lot of people like, oh, actually, the story's really good. Once you get pack, once you get past the fact that all the combat is uh, miserable and intention, it's actually, actually, it's intentionally bad. It's it's supposed to be bad. That's actually the point. Um, and then they, for Near Automata, the second game, they announced that it was the like combat stuff was being done by Platinum, which is famous for doing really good action games, including Bayonetta. And so I am certain. There were some people out there who were like, Platinum is making a new game. They are being brought on to have a good combat system. I like their combat systems. I want to play their new game that's going to have a good combat system. And the thing about Nier Automata is that they took a couple mechanics from like Bayonetta and Platinum style, but they primarily just added those on to the near existing Nier combat, which, as previously mentioned, no one likes. Yeah. So the combat in... So what most people say about Nier Automata is the combat's not great, but like, it's fine. It's okay. It's it's better than it was. <laughs> However, if you were going in expecting that it was actually going to be like the previous work of the developers who designed that combat system, it's miserable. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> and that's what Stranger Paradise is like. Neo 2 is the best action game I've ever played in my life, period. I don't have a lot to say about it because I simply think that every single thing that it does is amazing and everything that it doesn't do is very is also very good. And like it's it's extremely good design choice that they limited their scope in the way that they did and blah, 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 blah. So but the thing is, this Stranger of Paradise is not exactly Neo. It is feels a lot. There's obviously like a lot of um, similarities, but it's also primarily a Final Fantasy like action game. Yeah. It's like Nier Automata is to Nier 
as Stranger of Paradise is to Final Fantasy 15. And so, that's, like, yeah, it's a really good comparison. Yeah. So this game is fine. Um, also, like Near Automata, about like three to five hours in, they they make it very clear to an uh, anyone who has ever read a book in their life exactly what's going on in the plot and like what the twist is going to be. Uh, but then they spend, but then it takes like another ten hours before the characters in the game realize what that twist is. Yeah. So. Yeah. The, I think, the, fu- yeah. the fun part. I want to jump in on the story thing before you change um, subjects on that. Um, the the fun thing is knowing um, for those that have played the original Final Fantasy game and you know kind of know what the twist is. You know, going in with who Jack is um, in relation to that first game. Um, no matter how thin the connections are, or whatever, you know, if, if they don't do it perfectly to be like mm-hmm. a prequel. Um, but it, it's fun to see them try their best to hide it um, outside of the opening scene. Um, but it still make it very obvious as it goes along. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, I've been watching people stream it because I obviously um, I purchased Horizon and Elden Ring and, you know, didn't want to grab a, a third game. Um before I finish those two big ones, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, just just watching the stream, a lot of a lot of same reactions as you in terms of the combat. A lot of Neo Two fans that were loving it when they began, and then as they kept playing it, they were like, "Oh, this isn't as good." Yeah, you know, it's just it's slow. Each one of them, but uh, the fun part, the the fun part that I love, and I don't know your comment on this from watching the streams, is I do enjoy the one part of Jack's personality. Now I haven't seen the end game and all that stuff, so you might have a you know, spoiler information well, on that. I haven't but, eaten it. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. But the fact that he's he's the most straightforward JRPG character I've seen to where he doesn't let people ramble on. Like, uh, the best example is that opening thing with the Dark Elves where he, that guy starts to explain what the Dark Elves and who he is. And, mm-hmm. and Jack just cuts him off and goes, no, what about, what was this about chaos? <laughs> you know? And as so, you said, yeah. you know, um, there's a reason behind that. But just from the early game without seeing that reason it just made me chuckle every time it happened well th- this is what i'm talking about that like um there's i think it's like in the description for one of the missions or maybe it's in like a secret report or something like that in literally in like the second mission um they give you one piece of world building and it's like oh that's exactly what's happening here that's why he um is so obsessed with chaos that's why um blah 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 blah. that's why he uh reacts this way in every single situation but then like none of the characters react as if they have that knowledge even like 10 hours later which is not surprising um because of the way that the stories work and whatever and this is not a game about story no Uh, it's primarily just action game um but it's just i'm like 15 or 18 hours in and I'm still waiting for the characters to understand the twist. Like it has been told to them, but they mm-hmm. don't get it yet. Um, and yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious from like the opening scenes. Anybody that has, like you said, read a book or even played a JRPG before. Yeah, and also it's okay. So Nomura is the creative producer or director. I don't remember what his exact role is, but it's some executive thing like that on this game. And um. A lot of people say like, oh, Nomura writes all these ridiculous stories. But the thing is, he's not actually the one who he's not actually the writer. But there is a writer 
who is on all of the exact same projects as him and all of the ones where people say Nomura's out of his mind. He's writing all this ridiculous shit and that's Nojima. <laughs> and that's the actual the actual person who writes all the insane um, shit that people lose their minds over. Yeah. Uh, the I'm trying not to spoil anything, um, yeah. but the way that this multiverse is constructed, the way that this universe is construct is constructed is yeah. exactly the same as um, well, not exactly the same, but like has extremely has major similarities to Neo. The world ends with you which is the last game that Nomura and Nojima worked on together that came out last year. So it's it's that's another thing that makes this a little bit tiring for me is just like they said that one detail and I was like, oh, that is the conflict in the game that they made last year. I know that this is a thing that was like big in their minds when they were making this game. I know that this is going to be like a huge um, twist at the end and whatever. And so just like... I just wanted it to be another Neo game. Yeah. I just wanted to chop people up with a sword and look cool. <laughs> the, the one, one final question for you, you move on that I have from the finally talking to someone that actually played it. Um, what, what's your thoughts on the job system? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I took a sip right as oh, you sorry. said that. What, what, um, what, what's so, your thoughts on the job system? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we played Final Fantasy V recently, yeah. and I, I saw like an offhand comment. I think it was from one of the Team Ninja devs that said that um, they were basing the combat system on the Final Fantasy V job system, which is interesting. An interesting thing decision for them to make when they are remaking Final Fantasy I. Yeah. Um, and it is the devs who made Neo, which has nothing to do with that job, which has nothing in any way resembling a job system. Um, but I am really glad that... Um, y'all made me play Final Fantasy V because I see exactly what they're talking about and it's hard to describe if you haven't played the game yeah. because um, the thing with Final Fantasy V is you get you have basically you pick two jobs and you get one ability from each right and um, the that seems really small and that you don't get a lot of abilities from each job you're only picking one ability and that's either a passive thing or an active thing right yeah. um, however just because of the way the job system is set up and the um, like significantly different effects that all of those abilities have, you can come up with some really interesting combinations. Like, um, what was it? I had a, a simple thing I had in Final Fantasy V is um, one of my characters was primarily a Berserker, which is like you have extra high damage, but also you, the, literally the only thing they can do is attack. They cannot use items. They cannot cast spells, whatever. Sub-ability is the two-handed ability from the knight class, which lets you use bigger weapons or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I have one character who can only attack, and he does way more damage when he attacks, um, which is great. And But then you can also do things like have a, um, I think I had like, what is it, like uh, mage knight or something like that, and then subclass was white mage. So primarily they do a lot of attacking and stuff like that, but they have a higher magic stat because they're a magic knight. Um, than like a normal warrior type person would. So they're also a really good pinch healer and they don't need to use that much MP for their enchanting their weapon. Yeah. So they also have plenty, like plenty to spare for healing if need be. Um, stuff like that, that like is very simple and easy to see when you're looking at the like list of abilities, but you feel brilliant for like combining those things. And Stranger Paradise does that like exactly you have a job and a sub job. Like you can have two jobs equipped at a time. 
and um, each of them has one ability, which is what happens when you press. I remapped all my controls, so I think it was originally R2, um, not as part of a combo. And um, the idea is that you switch between the two jobs frequently during combat so that you can like switch up what weapons and abilities and combos and everything you're doing. And you can get some really interesting combinations with that um, exactly like in Final Fantasy V. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's it's an interesting release in the sense of you know the just the reaction to it um, has been interesting for me and been actually fun as a Twitch viewer um, mm-hmm. you know to to watch some of the stuff and glad that you know you know I would have probably been in the same boat as you something I anticipated so much kind of missed the mark from what I was thinking it was going to be uh, but yeah have you played anything else that was more what you were looking for or have you just been playing that <laughs> yes no there's two other games that i want to talk about very briefly because i yeah. went on for a long time about stranger oh, no, that was a big game um <laughs> yeah um so first thing uh undernauts i don't think i've mentioned it on this podcast um undernauts is a first person dungeon crawler that came out late last year i think okay. and uh it's so good it is simply one of the best rpgs i've ever played in my life like of all turn-based rpgs of any kind um <laughs> the, the just the like class system um is really encourages experimentation um there's so many different like party setups that are completely viable and also feel like good in their own unique way um and also it's very easy to respec like you can change anybody's class at any time you're in your base um and with no penalty and um you can also like refund abilities at any point to like completely rebuild your character and stuff. Um, it it's like very pretty minimal narrative and stuff like that. However, the combat's just fantastic, amazing turn-based combat. I love it so much. Mm. Um, and then the other game I want to talk about is Amelie. So um, this is from the bundle itch itch.io bundle for Ukraine. Um, it, it I love those bundles because. I like short visual novels and um, those bundles always have like a bunch of them and yeah. they're otherwise things that like I just would never find on my own. I don't want to spend yeah, like was... an hour looking for a two hour visual novel. <laughs> there was one fun before uh, you get deep into this game, one fun title that was something about like uh, like basically the title was like lesbian something shooting guns or it was like one of the, the it was like top says like, oh, OK, that I want to check that game out. Like, <laughs> Like, that's what I love about the itch thing is that it throws yeah. a bunch of that stuff in with titles that you would never, as you said, never look through and pick out. And you would just go, hey, I got mm-hmm. this for whatever I donate it. You know, I might as well check it out. You know, yeah. that, that's one of the great things about itch. Yep. Um, so I, I like short visual novels. Um, this is like one of the first ones that I played. I think I saw somebody online recommend it or yeah. say they were interested. That's how I picked it out. Um, I would describe it as a Casper like. Um, it is about a person who a, gets trapped in a ancient mansion with um, essentially a good ghost and an evil ghost. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. I love when there's a good ghost and an evil ghost. Oh, so a good ghost game is what you're saying. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, sure. But yeah, no, it's I just I mean, I was I was trying to like come up with what it is that i like about the thing so much and i was like it i mean it, it's basically casper and like that that is a good movie <laughs> like yeah. i do like that plot so i like when this game does it like 
the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. That those those real short visual novels can at least the ones that I've I've tried can really be hit or miss with them. Um, but yeah, just that that plot idea. I might because I got the same bundle as you. Um, yeah. Maybe I'll jump in and check that out because I was thinking of this week jumping into that bundle and seeing if I could play a bunch of the games to maybe talk about for next podcast. But that's one to start off with. So, uh, okay. So, great transitions here, folks. Um, so, Jen. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, Let sorry. me try this. Speaking of ghosts, Jen, what have you been playing? <laughs> there we go. There you go, Jonathan. <laughs> well, funny you should ask. I've been playing one of those good ghost games called Phasmo. Emily. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> And uh, yeah, nothing new to report there. It's still amazing. So I won't bore you guys talking about my games. Um, I have been getting much more into Dead by Daylight again. I know I said this last podcast, I'm pretty sure. But um, I've been having so much fun with it. And I've been watching certain streamers who are really strong at playing Killer and Survivor. So I'm kind of getting both aspects of smart plays, depending on who you're playing as. And um, I've been getting better at doing certain things that I've been pretty weak with. So I'm having nice. a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I'm having fun with trying new things and, and all that. So that's been going really well. Um, VHS, unfortunately, is still down. It's um, It's been down for a lot longer than they expected. I don't know if you heard, Jonathan, but VHS had been gotten hacked uh, had gotten hacked yeah um, so they they shut down the closed beta servers and they're trying to work on a way to prevent this from happening going forward and they're also adding some new features they're saying while they're working on it um, they were expecting it to have been done by now unfortunately it's not but they're saying that they're making um, a lot of improvements with the system so hopefully by the time that it comes back up it'll be very secure and that won't happen again um, so I'm hoping by the time that we record our next podcast, I will be able to say that I've been playing that again because I really miss it. Um, I continued playing Minecraft. I know I hadn't played that for a while, um, but I just recently got back into that. I'm actually building one of the Phasmophobia houses in our Minecraft server. Um, so if anybody cares, it's the Willow Street yeah. house. <laughs> um, so that's been interesting. I'm I'm realizing I'm good at building buildings. Like, I can recreate something pretty well, but I have a hard time being creative with making furniture, specifically okay. when it's, like, a table and there's only really one block that the table's supposed to be taking up. It's very difficult to be creative so when it comes to that the stuff. the exterior well, but the interior stuff is tough. Yes. Yeah, I'm struggling through the interior now just because everyone keeps yelling at me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It's it's tough. I'm I'm really like a Sims girl at heart, so I'm used yeah. to having the furniture already. Made, um, yeah. And then I could design the hell out of it. But making a a toilet in Minecraft is very complicated. Uh, at least I think it is. So that's what I'm struggling with in Minecraft. But it's a good struggle. Um, right. And then I started playing a new game, Alien Isolation, which is something I've I really. Yeah, I really wanted to play it for a while. Um, I didn't want to play it off stream. I knew everyone wanted to see me play it. So I was kind of waiting to see when would be a good time to introduce it. Um, so I just started playing it. I've gotten through about maybe like two and a half, three hours into the game. Yeah. It is it is a stealth heavy game. It is mm -hmm. very necessary to stealth. Um, I just got to the part where you see the Xenomorph for the first time. 
And going forward, apparently, any time that I run, it will hear me and come to wherever I am and murder me. So when I run, I have to look for a hiding spot, which is really crazy. Yeah. Um, they have these little uh, lockers that you can jump into. But the game tells you this is only a temporary hiding place. Because I guess if you stay in there too long, they'll start looking in the lockers for you, which is wild. Yeah, um, so so do, does your character have head on? No, <laughs> unfortunately not. I mean, I don't think so. Maybe maybe I haven't played enough. I just found a gun, which is nice. I haven't used it yet. Um, but yeah, I have a flashlight that runs on batteries, so you have to strategically use it. Um, and people and the xenomorph are drawn to the light sometimes, which makes sense. So you kind of have to be careful with it in that regard, too. Um, and then there are these little, I'm really immature and I call them buttholes. But they're little like holes in the wall that a metal door opens to reveal this hole so you can crawl through and you can go to another room to like get away from the xenomorph or if you're trying to be stealthy and get away from a person you could hide in there um so yeah it's it's tough it kind of reminds me um i've only seen security breach which is like a five nights at freddy's game i think it's the most recent one i've only seen a little bit of gameplay from you playing it mark and another streamer that i watch but it oh, seems... I, I played the wrong game. By the oh, way. So, so you didn't play? Streamer. Okay, no. well, then just this other streamer that I watched. <laughs> it seems like... My, my niece game... has pointed it out a lot that I played yeah, the wrong game. Yeah, you let them down. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe the other game that you played is similar then. But it seems like it's in that realm where... Yeah, yeah they're all the same. Yeah, where you have this gigantic area to explore. You have to go back and forth between different rooms you have to remember where things are you have to notice these tiny it's like a giant escape the room game kind of while you have humans and a xenomorph trying to murder you um and every little noise you make yes fruity breach is a little different but it's sort of that's the way it's set up when you're playing the original game Mm -hmm. it's more static is all the different rooms and stuff Mm -hmm. like that yeah but yeah it's been fun um I committed to playing the whole game to completion on stream. So I was doing it on my stream every Sunday or I'm planning on doing it every Sunday on my stream. And then nice. someone told me it's a 20 hour game. Yeah, it's 20 hour <laughs> I was game. like, oh, so we might, you know, it's 10 weeks. That's, yeah, that's a long time. Not as I don't, bad as it... That's true. I just I don't I don't know. I'm not used to playing really long games like that on stream. So it'll be different. But I've been having fun with it. Everyone that was watching was really in, into it and you know, freaked out at times with me. Um, I will say, have either of you played it? I have not. I don't think so, no. Um, I don't know if you, I think you were there, Jonathan, and I think you were there too, Mark. I don't know if you guys noticed from listening to the stream, the sound design in that game is incredible. Yeah, Super I immersive. Playing it, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's very scary, so. Yeah, yeah, the, um, you know, dedicating one day a week to playing a game and then spending half a year playing that game is like, I don't know, something I've never seen done on the <laughs> podcast channel before. Yep, never. Never, never done never, that. Never, ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, I guess I'll uh, keep updating for future yeah. podcasts my progress through the game. Yeah, I would like to see, because I, I hear it gets really good, like even better than it is now. Yeah, yeah. I basically I was told so I'm like a strict like do not backseat kind of gamer, yeah. especially when it's the first time I'm playing through a game. And this game, it's tough. Like I had to find a way to shut off a security system in a room of like ten security computers, and I had to go to each computer and see if this was the computer. So it's very like it can take its time and it can get confusing. 
So I was asking people not to backseat. Um, and I was told when I finally reached a certain pivotal point and got to safety into this next area that I was the luckiest person they've ever seen play through that one part because the xenomorph, I was upstairs, the xenomorph was downstairs, and it's supposed to just be patrolling back and forth, both staircases, waiting for me to come down. And then I would have to like, I don't know if I would have to fight it yet or if I would just have to run away and hide fast enough. But whatever I did, I wound up just going straight down there, opened the door and left. <laughs> and someone in my chat was like, are you kidding me? You are the luckiest person ever. They're like, you're supposed to watch him patrol and get his pattern down. It's supposed to take a while. I was like, well, I wasn't about to do that because I want to go to bed. I'm, said, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's, that's when you just say pro gamer. You're watching yeah, pro gamer here. Went yeah. to pro gamer mode and did it. Yeah. But. I'm sure I'll have much more of those situations that I will be failing coming up. So stay tuned, I guess. But I think that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. And uh, for myself here, um, I've been mostly playing Elden Ring. Um, the uh, one thing with that is that I, I've gone around and collected just road torrent through and just grabbing map pieces. So I'm seeing a lot of enemies in the game going, oh, I don't I don't want to look forward to fighting that thing. Um uh, but uh, I finally beat Margit, um, so nice. got through that part, and now um, I started farming and doing things. I beat a lot of like side bosses, like um, like the Mariner, one of the Mariners, and um, there was another one that that I beat. Um, mm. But you know, I, I keep getting killed by this one knight in Stormvale um, in like a dark room. I don't know yep. if that helps. Um, I, I I mean, there's more than one of them, but I just I yep. I'm, I'm sure that I got killed by that guy multiple times as well. So I've gone and leveled up a bit. And um, I found the, I obviously have the Wolverine claws and I am using them. They're my primary <laughs> melee weapon um, right. because I, uh, I'm, pr- I'm a, the prisoner based on so magic and melee. Um, so the best part about the claws is that they do bleed effect on a lot of enemies. Mm-hmm. So it, it helps if I get in a pinch and just have to, you know, do a quick, you know, three, strike burst it, the third strike usually ends up inflicting bleed um so i've been just running around doing that just riding tour and past a bunch of stuff um i that game i can see how you can just be playing it for years you know just sort of roaming around and because i don't see an end to it you get the map pieces and then the map gets bigger and bigger <laughs> yeah and it's just it's just really well done in that respect in terms of an open world um but yeah about 30 hours in beat probably only one of the main bosses um so far uh so but and having the fun with uh doing a session and then that session ending me with going up one level or improving my weapon one spot going that was a good session (laughs) (laughs) a lot Um, of grinding right yeah i have the habit of no for me because i have the habit of losing my souls um so you know, um, I found the grind spot, but then I ended up dying in the middle of grinding, so I had to restart the grind. That's a me thing. Um, people better at it than me probably can level up quicker. But, yeah, so I'm mostly playing through that. Um, I did the... I played some more Vampire Survivors. That game's just a cool game to shut your brain off for about an hour or two. Um, and going through and finding some of the, uh, you know... Uh, uh, like legendary weapons like the when you get it to level eight and then you find if you have the right combination of things you get the the high-end weapon and starting to learn how that pattern works 
and being at the end of some runs and just being able to stand still <laughs> and like the enemies can't even get close to you uh, because of the build you made. It is pretty fun. Uh, and they've opened up a couple new levels and now added a whole bunch of little things. Um, it's only three bucks. So if you want a game to just, you know, play an hour and get a lot done, but, you know, sort of not really have to think much about. Um, and just it's a it's a good game for if you if you're streaming or anything like that, because, you know, it's a lot of. Uh, well, here comes the level up. Did I get what I want? Ah, shit. All right. Yeah. You know, um, and also I read the strategy for how to kill death, which is like the the Yeti from Ski 3. Um, oh. it's essentially that, Jen. Okay. Um, where you get to the end of the run and then it kills you. Yeah. Um, there is a way to kill it, but I found, and I don't know if, if you had heard this too, Jonathan, but um, the that death um, scales with you. So if you keep yourself at a low level, but have high-powered weapons somehow, um, like a min-max thing, you can kill it. Um, okay, from like treasure chests? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So sort of, yeah, it's... It's a weird thing. You can, like, stand in a corner. Like, it, the strategies I read online was, like, made it seem... It looked very boring <laughs> to be able... Like, the number one thing you got to get is Lancet, the thing that freezes them. Sure. Um, and then a bunch of other strategies. And I was just like, I I would have no fun. This is like, you know... It's like the strategy in old PUBG stuff, which is, like, just sit in a bathtub. <laughs> you know? And only move when the ring comes in. I'm like, well, then you're not actually playing the video game. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's been fun. Um, I did the randomizer before we record it tonight. Always love to do that. I had said to you guys, um, uh, pre-show, um, that my goal is to hopefully get a run under three hours. Um, I have a lot of 320s. I have a 310, which would have been under three hours, but I got knocked off the edge by Ganon and had to restart, which usually takes about 10 minutes, roughly. Um, Especially if you had used all of your magic and stuff like that, um, lighting the torches, then you have to go get magic and get back in there. Um, I found out today, if you guys were watching the stream, um, when you fight an enemy where you run out of magic, you sometimes just got to mirror out in the middle of the boss battle because there's no way to kill it. And dying takes longer. Um, I see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just takes longer to die. because it, And plus, I had, a, I had a fairy in a bottle. So if I would have died... I would have just been brought back to life and had to die again. So I just mirrored out. Um, but yeah, I still love the randomizer. And my new thing is I love boss, sh boss shuffle because it's especially when I'm streaming it because it's always fun going. All right, what motherfucker am I gonna fight now? <laughs> uh, oh crap! It's the ice boss from Ice Palace, and I have no fire stuff. Well, I guess I'm eating out of here, <laughs> or you know, coming back. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Looking forward to. You know, um, you know, I know uh, I oh update um, since, uh, you know, doing the, the new apartment thing. I've been really like writing down budget stuff for like my, you know, what I spend and all. Mm -hmm. And I figured out the, you know, that deal for Series X where you can pay monthly on it. Mm -hmm. Yep. It yeah. gave you two free years of Game Pass. Oh, yeah. And um, I already pay for Game Pass Ultimate. So, um I went and applied for it just to go. It only increased like I think ten dollars over what I pay per month. Um, you know, if I get it, and so I ended up I have a Series X now. So nice. nice. Um, That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was. I, I did the math. I was like, why wouldn't I do this if I get if I like if my application gets approved? Right. You know, it's stretching it out over time, which is as 
both of you probably know, is something you start doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that thing adults do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when you have to pay a mortgage or an apartment or a rent. Um, so when I saw that and I did the math, I'm like, well, I won't be paying Game Pass Ultimate anymore for at least two years. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, so um, I'm looking forward to playing Tunic um, when mm-hmm. I get the chance. Cause, Me too. Yeah, I feel like that is, well, the joke on Giant Bomb was calling it Zelda like a fox. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, but I heard it's a lot more like Fez in terms of the structure. So it be interesting to get in there and do that. Um, so now that I have that, I can actually play Game Pass games that don't come to PC, which includes MLB The Show. So nice. that should be fun to not have to pay for that this year. <laughs> You bought an Xbox to play MLB The Show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, it's one of the games that doesn't come to Game Pass, so it's a perk to getting the Series X. Um, Okay. No, and it also, because of the way my room is now set up, it is a little more convenient to have a console for if I want to play Xbox Game Pass games um, than, you know, the way I used to have it set up. So, yeah, it's basically that, and... um, Yep, and going to report back in on Oculus stuff next week when I finally make enough room in my living room for it. Um, I have room. Like, it's not like I need to rearrange furniture to get it. I just have boxes and stuff from the move still. So once I get that cleared, I should have a nice space for it to play some Beat Saber and stuff like that. Yeah. So that is all for, um, I think, what have we been playing? Um, Jen, um, what news do you have this week? I have a few things. Um, So first of all, as promised, Twitch is slowly making the experience on their platform more safe for not only content creators, but viewers as well. Um, So they just announced that they have adjusted their safety tools um, in an attempt to provide people with a better reporting and then appeals process. So their main goal with this is to make sure that a report is being made with as much information as possible on the issue so that they can make a proper judgment call. Um, I went to their website where they talked about this or the section of their website where they uh, addressed this and they admitted that sometimes they have made decisions in the past where they didn't make the right call and they want to make sure going forward that they have as much information as they can so that they can make sure that they're, you know, doing things correctly when it comes to banning people or suspending people and that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so beyond that, uh, their actions taken will be clear, will be very clearly displayed to the streamer. Um, so that way you, you know, you know that someone made this report with as much information as possible. And then Twitch was able to make as good of a judgment call as they feel like they could have. And then they give you all the information if you're the person that's getting any kind of judgment put on you. So they're saying they're all about transparency. Um, And basically, this is going to be happening over the next few weeks. They're kind of slowly introducing this. So it is a rollout. Um, I guess if you receive the new experience and you don't like it or you don't know how to use it and you're not really comfortable with it yet, they do give you the option to click to get the old experience until everyone, you know, gets more used to how to do reporting. Yeah, um, yeah. But they're saying that right now it's definitely coming to browser and then mobile will be at a later date. I don't believe that they've said when. Um, I guess they're probably just trying to make sure that this is, you know, good before they move it into mobile. Yeah, um, just the normal mobile delay. Right. For- just the mo- normal mobile <laughs> irritation that everyone knows. Um, so... As I said, reporting is now going to offer 
very specific reasons for the report being made, as well as more options for the type of content that's being flagged. So um, it's not just one broad complaint that you're making now. They're going to give you a ton of different options to choose from. Um, and then what I alluded to before, they're also adding a new appeals feature, which they're saying is going to give content creators more transparency into the appeals process. So previously, um, if somebody made a report on you and you were banned or you were suspended or whatever, um, you would have to submit an appeal to contest um, and then wait for a response, which apparently took a very long amount of time. And it was extremely frustrated because not only could the streamer not see what stage of the process their appeal was in, yeah. but once they got an answer, if their appeal was rejected, that's all they knew. Like they didn't have any kind of explanation as to why it was rejected, any kind of information on the report. It was just like, hey, you've been banned and you appealed it, but we said no anyway. And that was it. And then after waiting that whole amount of time, people were like, what the hell? So yeah. this is hopefully going to make that whole process and experience much easier for everybody, including Twitch. Uh, so hopefully going forward, if anyone does have any kind of issues where they have to you know, report someone or are getting reported, that it's just a better, a better experience all around. So have you heard any reaction to it yet? No, I have not. I think this just started within the last two days, I would say. Yeah. So I haven't personally, um, I hope that I never experienced this <laughs> from a content creator standpoint of having to do an appeal. Um, yeah, no, but I no, can no, tell I, you, I, I meant more about if it, you know, stopping harassment and stuff. Because right. I know the category of, unfortunately, the category of streamer you're in, um, you know, is the one that usually gets hit really hard with shitty people. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know if the other people you talk to that, you know, have interacted with this reporting, um, have seen any success or less shittiness. Yeah, I haven't I haven't heard anything. Um, I feel like this this it definitely benefits the content creator, the appeals end of it, and knowing that Twitch is getting more information on what the issue is. Yeah. But I feel like it more benefits viewers as well. Um, I guess I mean you could report another chatter for saying something terrible and you're protecting the streamer. But if a streamer is, you know, threatening people with violence on their stream which is strictly against tos you yeah, know you yeah, can I, you know whatever but yeah because uh, you've seen it a lot where people have sent hate raids and stuff like that right which there, is what i think this was mostly partially trying to prevent they're they're doing a lot of improvements to help hopefully prevent that stuff from happening this is just like a little piece of it but yeah i i feel like the biggest improvement that they've made so far that i have noticed are their beefed up safety tools where you can instantly um, put your stream in followers only mode or subs only mode or emote only mode. You could reject a raid. You, there's just, there's more um, options at your disposal as a streamer. You can go into your settings and you can choose um, to only allow people to chat if they have a verified email or phone number. Like you could do it. If they don't, they have to be following you for like however long you want. So they're yeah. they're giving you more power to hopefully weed out people like that, but it still has a long way to go, unfortunately. But I hope that I do start hearing positive things from this. That would be amazing. Hopefully this, like you were saying, is also their way of of finding more of these really shitty, hateful people and yeah. um, removing them permanently. That the the worst thing is that these people can get around the IP ban. So they're gonna oh, come yeah, back yeah. anyway as of right now, but. I hope that all of these new things are going to add up to something yeah. much safer for everyone soon. Yeah, it was like an old fun story that I was reminded of this week. Um, 
of back when, uh, probably seven, eight years ago at this point, um, uh, the old form something awful had implemented a thing like for certain topics you had to pay like ten dollars to um, do it, and I think it was like a one-time fee. But all these people were complaining like they had to pay ten dollars a month, and that was because their accounts kept getting banned every month. So <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I got reminded because it was like. 12, 13-year-old kids, mm-hmm. you know, they were trying to keep off some of the stuff, which succeeded to certain extents, but, right. you know, that form was lived up to its name at times. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it just reminded me of that, of people not understanding why, like, why is it $9 a month, you know? When yep. It's like, well, because you're a really <laughs> shitty person. That's why it's $10 a month for you're you. You're kind of telling on yourself, yeah. <laughs> but we'll take the money if you want to keep being a shitty person, keep getting banned, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, but that that sort of reminds me of like sort of the small processes that this is is going through. It's sort of like, all right, you know, the reporting's getting better. We're gonna, you know, give a lot better the tools that you mentioned and sort of. It was the one thing where I wish Twitch would have been a little more transparent when all the really shitty stuff was happening, like what six months ago, mm-hmm. a year or whatever, because. It just felt like with them not being transparent about what they were thinking, um, it made it seem like they weren't doing anything. Um, yeah, I remember. I don't remember the streamer's name, but it was the one of the major people who got hate rated um, yeah. had a meeting with Twitch where they were going through like all of their future plans to explain stuff. And I don't think they were allowed to say like what the plans were, but they were like, no, guys, I promise they have ideas. They they've got a good roadmap and whatever but mm-hmm. it was kind of frustrating for everybody else who wasn't in that meeting right. because like we have one person that we don't necessarily know but can probably trust who <laughs> says they have a plan but there's no timelines trust and me there's guys. no list and there's no <laughs> explanation of what the features will be and no one else has any um and they won't let anyone else know what that plan is and so it's like really yeah really yeah skeptical yeah transparency has definitely been a thing that twitch has struggled with for a very long time in many different aspects so it's nice to see that they're admitting some faults and uh hopefully working towards more improvements so we'll have to see but i feel like it's a good sign that they're still going that they're you know they didn't promise some stuff and then just stop so yeah they're still working on it uh, so my next topic, I'm really excited about this. CD Projekt Red has announced that they are working on a new Witcher game, to, which will, and I quote, kick off a new saga for the franchise. So if you weren't aware, the last game to the series was The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, which released a million years ago back in 2015. So it's definitely time for a new Witcher game, I think. I mean, no, uh, they have another place they need to release it on this year. Yeah. <laughs> and then once that's done, then we'll get our new game. <laughs> it's got to come out. It's got to come out on the play date or whatever that hand winding handheld is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's like GTA Five. For me, and you guys can let me know if this is exciting for you as well. But for me, one of the most exciting bits of news on this topic is that CD Projekt Red will be switching over to using Unreal Engine Five, which yes. means this game is going to be freaking gorgeous. I I'm so was- excited. I thought this was very funny because um, a lot of the problem. So with Cyberpunk, they were saying like, "Oh, our um, this game is so incredibly revolutionary and doing things that is uh, going to change the face of gaming forever, and that's mm-hmm. why it 
has such high performance requirements. And then you look at the game, you're like, no, I'm pretty (laughs) sure your engine's just not efficient. And so then them (laughs) releasing an announcement where basically the only thing they said is, yes, we're going to make another Witcher game. And two, no, we're not going to use our own engine again. (laughs) Exactly. And three, Um, it's not going to be called Witcher 4. (laughs) That's it. That's all we know. Yeah, it was it was hilarious to me for that reason. Yep. Yep. Um, They are partnering with Epic Games on this, but it's not going to only be through Epic Games that you can purchase the game eventually, which is nice. Um, And they also go ahead. No, um, I, I, I read this announcement and that the wording that they had doesn't sound to me like Epic is co-developing the thing. It sounds like they got um, verbiage of Epic agreeing to like potentially add features to Unreal 5, Unreal Engine 5, if um, the CD Projekt Red needs certain things, mm-hmm. but not like they are developing The Witcher. Right. Yeah. It's nothing exclusive with them, which is which is good. Um, and they also did announce, I don't know if you caught this, they are going to continue using their Red Engine for other product projects that they have going on. So they're saying like, yeah, we're going to use Unreal 5 on this or un- Unreal Engine 5 on this. But don't worry, we're still using our awesome engine for other projects. <laughs> that sucks well, at everything. Yeah. Well, they theoretically, as much as it sucks, the Red Engine, it's probably much easier if they're going to do any more cyberpunk content. Right. To just do it in the Red Engine instead of redoing the whole thing in a yeah. new yeah, engine. Yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely. So, you know, that's probably what they're talking about without saying it. Um. <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of funny. It's it's like a lot of things when um, on the EA side when when they're switching engines, it's like oh no, you know this engine's great, and then a year and a half later it's switching to another one. No, this one this one much better. Yeah. You know, this but better. <laughs> no, don't worry. Yeah, don't listen to what we said before. <laughs> um, but I wonder if that uh, Epic stuff, if they got some kind of you know deal or something to go to to uh, Unreal Five. Um, you know, and that's why they're getting that exclusive, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. Trying to, yeah, I'm trying to think, you know, because I can see having a big game like that, you know, they can push to get other companies to buy the engine or lease the engine, I should say. I mean, so I, I guess I work in software development, well, sort of software development and stuff like that. And that, that language they had about Epic agreeing to like, potentially do enhancements to Unreal 5 sounds very standard to me. Like a thing that a lot of um, large organizations do when they buy a big product, which is not, it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's just that like, if we need enhancements, you agree that you will be willing to do some amount of development in some capacity to improve the thing that we are buying to meet our needs. And usually that's not a big deal. It's just for like huge like bugs and stuff. Um, and I think uh, uh, Epic is probably willing to do that because it's they are obviously constantly always making enhancements based on the things that people who use their engine need. Um, yeah. And so it's not like committing to that much extra work and whatever. Um, and this is CD Projekt Red's obviously going to be like a huge customer, like even for them and whatever. So yeah. it's it's not that big of a deal for them to say, yes, we would do enhancements that um people need oh at some point over the next eight years or whatever (laughs) security yeah Yeah. well that's cool i mean i'm excited um as we said before we don't really have any other details other than what we just talked about 
Jen, as part. a as a without spoiling, uh-huh. even though Witcher Three's been out a while, did that logo give you any hints at who might be the main character of the series? Because mm-hmm. I sort of had an idea. Uh, I haven't really thought about it to be honest with you. Yeah. So no, but now that you've asked, I'll go and try to decide. Yeah, because I because it's definitely you know with them saying not Witcher Four and all that, it's you can probably definitely without spoiling anything, um, you know you would probably rule out it'd be a thing where it's not Geralt. Yes. You know, so, you know, they would make a point of Geralt returns, you know, if it was him, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but I think the logo they use, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I've seen, you know, the logo I'm thinking of, but I'll I'll be interested if, even if you tell me off podcast, you know, when you look at it, if if I'm thinking the same thing. Yeah. I'll definitely let you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for it too because I got on the Witcher train late, um, so I'm excited to whenever this new one comes out in five years. I don't know. CD Projekt Red yeah. works really slow. I was um, gonna say hopefully hopefully it's not like Cyberpunk where we're waiting eight years and then it comes out and it's broken and takes another year to fix oh, it. They started Unreal Six. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden I, it's. <laughs> yeah, I I was a little bit annoyed that one of the major um reasons that cyberpunk was such a big disaster and came out like way too early is because they announced it way too far in advance yeah and so then them announcing we will at some point develop a new witcher game in the next seven years mm-hmm. is it's just like okay so you just didn't learn like the main lesson yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> i hope that that doesn't happen again uh the hype on, uh, around the witcher right now is great you know with the the show being really good I think it's rekindling. At least it did for me. Like I started playing the Wild Hunt again. Um, not super recently, but I did. I feel like it's rekindling interest in old fans and also, you know, gaining interest in new fans. So I hope it's not that long before it dies down. So we'll see. Yeah. But when we have more information, we'll let everyone know. Um, and then the last thing that I had to talk about is something you'll both be interested in avoiding. Um, and that is Elden Ring and an exploit that has been found. Um, do either of you play on PC or do you play on console? Console. I'm on PS5. Okay. Then you're safe from this. So this is a PC only issue. So apparently there's an Elden Ring exploit that's been crashing PC players games where they're thrown into endless death loops. Um, you can actually see this in action without it happening to you. There's a Twitter account called Elden Ring Update. Um, And they actually put the video up where you could watch it. So basically, a hacker will corrupt your save file while they're invading you. And it caused your game to crash. And then when you reopen the game, you see your character dying over and over and over again. So since this has happened, there's been sort of a workaround that a player discovered. It's unfortunately not 100% guaranteed to work. So if this does happen to you, they say if you do Alt F4 right before your character dies during that death loop, it gives you a little bit more time during the next login to the game. And what you'll want to do is quickly open your map once the game starts, which might give you the chance to warp to a site of grace. And then if you can't get there in time, the death loop just continues. So it's I, an absolute nightmare from what I I've think heard. they fixed this. Did they? In the giant patch like um, two days ago. Good. Good. Because I was going to say, from what I've seen, I haven't seen anything from from software or a Bandai Namco commenting on it. So hopefully it did get fixed. Yeah, but yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah, Demon Souls had a thing where uh, uh, 
people had figured out near the end, I guess when they stopped paying attention to it, um, when it was on PS3, um, like when a person would invade, they would come in and like shred all your gear. Oh, oh that was that was not a like a um, a hack or anything that like hack. that. No. That was 100% intentional, a weapon uh, that was designed specifically to do that. That's that insane. you get from the first boss. <laughs> wow. That that's is, insane. That okay, is the I think devs that. being, yeah. sh- being really shitty. <laughs> that is, that's rough. So, yeah, I mean, I guess to be sure, save your, uh, back up your save files <laughs> if you're playing on PC. But yeah, that was. Just play offline. Oh, yeah, or play offline. Exactly. If you're really worried about it. Exactly. So. Let us know if that had happened to you, and if it did, we're really sorry about it. Yeah, I'm a weird person with the from games. The random invaders thing never really appealed to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll still play online and let it happen, but um, just because sometimes I need the help of other people, mm-hmm. certain things um, in past games. But yeah, it wasn't like one of those things like invader came in and like, oh boy, let's do it, let's go, you know. <laughs> I, you know, it doesn't like, oh mother, I'm gonna lose because I'm terrible at this game. <laughs> so, uh, invader stories. Yeah, I was I helped my brother and a friend through Dark Souls Three. Like we co-opted through the whole thing. Um, and uh, there was some point I think I was helping um my brother, the second person, through um some level, and he summons me in, and we're going through this place, and I was like, yeah, you got to be careful because like there's a bunch of traps and whatever. And then um some random person comes in, and I was like, oh hell you. Oh, oh, no, you don't. Um, how dare you intrude when we are um, going through this level that, you know, is a pain in the ass and you're trying <laughs> to gank us and like get him yeah. to fall off a ledge. Um, no, you don't. And I was like, wait a minute. I just killed that invader in like 20 seconds by myself <laughs> as the summon, meaning I have less health <laughs> and no and um, less heals. And uh, I, I'm not like good gear or anything like yeah. especially good gear or anything like that uh oh wow <laughs> i got really mad at that guy <laughs> yeah yeah i only have one real experience in Elden ring so far i was like uh outside storm valley after beating margaret um that little that great point of grace there and i had uh somebody had um uh, i guess i still had the leftover because i had one person help me with margaret um so i summoned someone else and then someone came in the game i guess because i had someone with me and they jumped off what seemed like a ledge and, like, air attacked me and killed me in one hit. And I just looked at it. I was like, all right, I'm, uh, round of applause. <laughs> like, touche. From the top rope. Yeah. All of a sudden, I just hear, it's been invaded. I'm like, where? And me and the, you know, uh, where? the summon guy are just looking around. And all of a sudden, I hear, clunk, <laughs> come, like, cut through me. And then you died. Come on the screen. I was like, oh. Wow. I think I found them. <laughs> but, yeah. So. That's why when we hear about shitty invader stories, I kind of get mad because I don't really like like get excited about the concept. And then when I hear people being assholes about it, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah, it's yeah. one thing that does get me angry with those games. I don't even play this game and it made me angry. Just imagining someone purposely. So I read that somebody lost 100 hours of game time That's because ridiculous. of this right, right in the very beginning of the exploit. It sucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, stuff like that sucks. But when it's a like a naked person shows up with a <laughs> seven foot long sword and just <laughs> um, and wearing like um, a potato sack on their head yeah. uh, and then kills kills you because you l- cannot hit them because they're simply too good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then it's hilarious. Like, yeah. 
the naked person with the potato sack and the huge sword, you just go, well, I'm dead. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, yeah, there's there's a reason he looks ridiculous like that. Yep. He's earned it. <laughs> yeah. That's that last story. That was it. All right. So, yeah. Um, so, uh, for this week's topic, um, uh, Jonathan came up with a good one. So, um, I'll let him introduce it, and then we'll... Um, We'll, we'll get into it from there. Yeah. So the topic, I guess I'll start with the background of like where I came from with this. And then I will ask the actual question that we are responding to. Yes. Um, so every time From Software releases a new game, there it always kicks off a new round of accessibility and difficulty discourse because they don't include um, difficulty modes in their game. Like you cannot go into a menu and say, I want to play on easy or I want to play on hard. And this the reason this comes up every time, and especially with the soul with the, the Souls games, the games that From Software has made over the past like 15 years or whatever, is because it's a there's several different things going on and several different groups of people that all have a very distinct perspective on it. So the first thing is that difficulty and accessibility is that um the discussion is about both accessibility and difficulty, which are two distinct things, but mm. people often conflate the two. Accessibility is people's like ability to play the game at all. For example, if there is no colorblind mode, then people who are colorblind simply cannot play that game. Doesn't right. matter if they want to or if they have like the skill to um, be good at it, they simply cannot do it. Um, if you can't remap controls, then people who use different controllers because they are missing an arm or something like that simply cannot play your game. It is not physically possible. The From Software's games are generally really bad as far as accessibility. Like they don't have a lot of um, colorblind options or anything like that. You can remap your controls in Elden Ring, and I think that's the first time yeah, that you've been able to do that. Yeah, like in any game they have ever made in their entire history. So. They're normally bad at that. That's not super, there's not too much to talk about there other than just like what accessibility features um, it's missing and that should be added and whatever. The other thing people talk about is difficulty. And the thing about difficulty with the, um, from, with the Souls games, I'm saying that, but I mean Dark Souls, Bloodborne, kind of in, also including Sekiro as well as Elden Ring. The thing is, people are really weird about difficulty in the Souls games. There are a lot of tools in these games that make things a lot easier. Like, um, but people, a lot of people will refuse to use those things say, um, by, because they think that they are cheating and then say the game is really hard yeah. and it doesn't give you any tool, anything to make it easier. For example, like a lot of people will say, no, I won't use shields. That's cheating. That makes the game um, that makes the game too easy. Or I won't summon because that's cheating. And then they'll be like, this game's so ridiculously hard. Like, I have to beat it by myself. And I, why can't I just put on an easy mode? And it's like, well, yeah. um, it's the um, uh, the guy goes to heaven. And he says, God, why didn't you save me? And he's like, I sent you a helicopter and a boat mm. and um, a plane, that thing. Yeah. Um, and also, one of the things is that the games are like intentionally obtuse and hard to figure out. And that's intentional because they want that's what creates the community to like investigate these things, solve how figure out how things work, figure out how quests are done, all that stuff. Um, 
And there's a lot of people who are complain about that and like, uh, why why does it have to be this way? And that's very weird to me because it's the only RPG I can think of where people like refuse to use a walkthrough. Yeah. On principle, like any other RPG, Final Fantasy VII, Grandia, Final Fantasy VIII, whatever. If you say I'm going to play this game, people who have played it before will usually say, "Oh, you should use a walkthrough," and then they just say, "Okay," <laughs> and that's yeah. it. Um, okay, so the thing, uh, I, I'm wrapping this up, I promise. So when people um, say they want an easy mode in Dark Souls games, I am not trying to be mean when I say I, I don't really, um, I don't think that's a great idea. The, there's like several different points to this. Um, first, like I already said, there's already a lot of things in the game that make it easier. Um, you can see plenty of videos of people beating bosses in Elden Ring by like sitting down and their NPC summon does the whole boss fight for them. Jeez. Or like they kill a boss in about eight seconds just because they have a good build. Um, and those things, having tools like that, that trivialize certain parts is much more interesting than just clicking a button that says, please let me win now. Um, yeah. The second thing is that every time I have ever put on easy mode in a game, it's because I wanted to skip gameplay that I hated so mm -hmm. that I could see the story. And that's just not relevant to the Souls games because there there is no story. Like, there is no narrative. You you will not get anything more out of, like, playing the game, killing everything in one hit than if you were going to watch a Let's Play or, like, a lore video or whatever. Exactly. Um, also, the when people... A lot of times when people are saying that they want an easy mode for these reasons, it's because they say that um, they can't beat the game without that. Like, they will not be able to beat the game themselves. And the focus is on the ability to beat the game, which is really weird to me because you don't have to beat a game to have enjoyed it. Mark yes. was just talking about having played 30 hours and he has not beaten the game and he's having a great time. Whether or not he ever beats the game does not mean that he retroactively stopped enjoying those 30 hours. And also... I, comparing this to retro games, like lots of people have not beaten Sonic 2. That does not mean they do not like Sonic 2. Um, Raising hand in background. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so the question is, um, oh, I guess, and also um, there's plenty of games that are difficult in the same ways that just don't spark this kind of discussion, like yeah. this kind of discourse and stuff. Um, so the question is, what kinds of games are most difficult for you? Um, yeah, and so, then somebody else answer because I talked a lot already. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'll, I'll jump in because mine has been well publicized on both this podcast and <laughs> streams and stuff like that. I am absolutely shit at platformers, but <laughs> I play an ungodly. Um, I literally did an entire stream on Monday of just playing platform. Um, you know, well, to the extent that you call Sonic a platformer. Um, but... I have played them my whole life. I rarely beat games um, that in that genre. Um, but I can, at any time, if someone says, hey, we want to play, you know, the first Mario Brothers, you want to play? Yeah, sure. You know, and I don't think I've ever made it by myself past, like, World 4, you know, without skipping on pipes and stuff like that. You know, so it's it ties into even things like, like Dark Souls, it more becomes a time issue than a skill issue for me in that something else comes out that I want to play more 
And then by the time I get back, I forget, I lose all this, you know, the timing and skill I had and then something else comes out, you know, and that's why I've only really gotten to end game on Dark Souls 2 um, down to where the final boss is. Um, I have this weird memory thing with Dark Souls 1 where I watched so many Let's Plays and played it myself for a long time that I don't remember which was my playthrough and which was the Let's Play. Um, so <laughs> nice. I'm like, did, did I beat that boss? I don't remember. Um, Bloodborne, I got almost to the end, you know, essentially, um, you know, it, it's just, it, the platformer is more the one where I'm like, I know I'm not going to beat the game, you know, cause the, the timing, I have the weird thing that frustrates people where I, I have a hard time using the run button in Mario, um, and jumping at the same time <laughs> for some reason uh, that skill was not burned into my brain at a young age. Um, I was going to mention that when we talk about yeah. DuckTales, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I just, I, I really love, um, I think I'm more like newer platformers. Um, I don't know if I gravitate to play them unless if it's a Mario or a Sonic or something like, um, like I won't go play a Celeste or a Super Meat Boy or something like that. I know I picked two ones that are really hard, but you know, like those those retro esque, you know, newer platformers, I won't necessarily run to. Um, but anytime you want me to load up something that came out in the '90s or 80, late '80s, um, I will be game to play it. Um, on the flip side, which is always funny, and it's a thing I brought up a bunch, and it's a funny thing in our family, is that my sister has no skills of video games except for platformers. Like, she's never played another video game, hates playing, like, watches me play horror games, you know, has no interest in any RPGs. But, you know, she'll sit around and play through a good chunk of Mario 3 with no problem. Um, and it is the weirdest thing and probably comes from a some kind of weird skill set. But that might be one of the reasons why I really enjoy those games is because it was, you know, when I was younger, family time, you know, so... But, yeah, I thought I'd get out of the way first, um, just because mine is very obvious um, answer to this question. Um, and I think it's one that I would pass on advice to other people that you don't have to have the badge of honor of beating a game. Mm -hmm. That dumb idea that you're not a gamer because you didn't beat the game um, is stupid. And, um, you know, you, you, you could be really terrible at one genre, um, as I'm sure... There'll be things that I'm good at that you guys are going to um, uh, say that you, you know, are not good at. Um, you know, somebody has a skill somewhere in there. But, um, yeah, I thought this was a really good topic when Jonathan brought it up because, you know, it's something that going through, we're like this first generation of gamers going through, you know, all the ups and downs of, you know, playing all these different genres and um, different, uh, you know, cultural um and uh, like interpersonal friendship things of how good you are at some at a video game, you know, you know, it's not so much. I see more with my nieces, you know, it's more how good they are at certain video games, honestly, than talking about competitive sports, which is weird. Um, like my niece will get more mad about being terrible at Rocket League than if she, you know, got beat by a friend in a softball game, you know. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's just. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what uh, yours is, Jen. Um, so I had a really fun time thinking about this. And I also realized there's two kinds of games that I really enjoy that I also have a really hard time getting into. 
So it's interesting. So my first one is fighting games, specifically the Mortal Kombat style fighting games. Um, and it's kind of complicated because I find them, they're really easy to pick up and play if you just want to button mash or do the same few basic attacks over and over again. But if you really care about having the best chance of winning, a lot of times you need to memorize combo moves, which can be several buttons pressed quickly in a pattern. And for me personally, I find this to be very difficult to commit to memory because it's not something that I find interesting enough. Um, I'd must much rather memorize a complex open world map or learn how to build something like in Minecraft block by block than memorize a bunch of patterns in a combo move. Um, and then it's tough for me too, because beyond memorizing it, then you have to use the combo moves in a way that's strategic against your opponent where you're either foreseeing what they're going to do and counter them quickly or, you know, just use them at the right time. So just a super reactive play style isn't really for me. That being said, I really like fighting games. <laughs> so it's just it's not something kind of like what you said with platformers, Mark. It's not something yeah. that I do well at, but I have fun playing them. Um, and I'm definitely not trying to sit here and say, like, oh, I'm great at fighting games because that's not the case. Probably anyone can beat me in a fighting game. Um and then the other, I kind of struggled with naming a genre here, and maybe, Jonathan, you could probably help me out with this. Um, I'm calling it, this is not a genre, okay, before I say this, Big Boss Games. And I know... Metal Gear? A, <laughs> uh, more like Monster Hunter, <laughs> and, yeah. which is all I'm going to talk about here. I know Monster Hunter is technically an action RPG, I guess, but... What I'm saying is when I have to constantly go up against big boss, big boss, big boss, big boss, and like they just all a bunch of big battles that you're putting, you know, all this time and effort into, that's not typically a game that I enjoy playing. And it's not typically a game that I'm good at playing. Um, I like there to be some downtime in between or some story or just something to kind of, you know, not just constantly be sort of struggling through whatever you're, I'm doing. Um, so... Monster Hunter Rise has become an exception for me, and I think it's thanks to Jonathan and my other friends, because I've been able to play with you and get through certain parts where I wouldn't have been able to um, be patient enough, I guess, to grind through. Um, but Monster Hunter games, in my opinion, are very complex. So just to give a very brief example, you can pick from at least 10 different weapons, probably more to choose. And that weapon has a tree of upgrades and different variations, and those things can influence the way that you play. And then you have to learn how quickly you need to cycle through your items in battle and select potions or sharpen your weapons at the right time. And then you have to utilize wire bugs, which is this whole different kind of attack. And it's, I guess, to really simply put it, it's like a grapple hook sort of thing, and it does a lot more than that. But then you have all the different monsters, and you have to learn their weaknesses. And crafting items is also really important for a ton of different aspects of playing the game. So there's just there's so much complexity in that game specifically and other I'm assuming big boss style games like this. This is definitely not my my jam. Um, but for whatever reason, Monster Hunter Rise, I really enjoy playing. Again, not a game that I'm probably amazing at. I'm okay at it. Um, I definitely I'm not as well versed in strategy and armor builds and what weapons are great against this or you know whatever. But um, I've been enjoying it, and that's the most important thing. But I don't, kind of like how you mentioned, Jonathan, hearing how um, Elden Ring operates, there are parts in that game where I'm really tempted to try it. And then there are other parts, like those crazy-ass bosses, where I'm like, I don't know if I would enjoy this. 
So I'm kind of on the fence, but those style games, I just, I can't, I can't pick up. Like I played Worlds, Monster Hunter World, and then I played Monster Hunter Rise on the Switch and I fell off of both and I just couldn't get all the complexities down with the controls and like, you know, all that stuff that I just mentioned. But for some reason on keyboard and mouse, something clicked. So I'm, I'm grasping onto that and enjoying it. But usually I cannot get my head around these kinds of games. So I don't understand what's so complex. I mean, like for Switch <laughs> X, your basic compo is just you do ZR to draw your weapon into sword mode. And uh-huh. then you um, want, let me, let me think about this. Okay, so <laughs> I'm fighting a monster. I'm running uh-huh. up to the monster. I hit ZR to draw into sword mode. And then I hit ZR again to switch to do my morph attack into axe mode, um, which gets uh, bonus, 20% bonus damage because I've got rapid morph on my armor. And then I need to do, um, uh, oh, I, I initiated wrong. I actually um, did the wrong attack to start this combo. So I want to do um, ZR again to get back into sword mode, which is where it's supposed to be. Uh, B to do double slash. B to do um, heavenward flurry to build up my sword gauge. So I now get um, amped explosions on all of my attacks. And then I need to dodge because the monster is going to be attacking by that point. Mm-hmm. ZR immediately to do um, a rolling morph slash. Um, and then I'm going to want to do Y to do a fade slash in axe mode to dodge the next attack. Then I um, hit A to roll again so I can get reposition. Immediately hit ZR to do another morph attack back into sword mode. Um, and then uh, Y and B to do um, amp. Uh, zero sum discharge because i'm going to have an opening at that point i i did all of that with um like just from memory i don't understand what's so complicated jen <laughs> you're right you're you're so right <laughs> um yeah it, it couldn't just been me but every time she said big boss i just kept repeating what jonathan said at the beginning of yeah. this <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um, like i said i didn't know how to exactly classify this and i, I thought it was unfair to put Elden Ring in this category since I never played it, but it reminds me of my issues with Rise. I know it's different, but I just, I have an issue constantly going into these really big battles a lot, so. Yeah, so I usually refer to those as monster hunting games. Okay. And Monster Hunter is the only one that's like actually big. Um, And the Souls games are pretty close to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. The the difference from what I see is that, um, well, Maybe I'm just completing Elden Ring, but um, it feels like with Monster Hunter and similar games I've seen like that, um, it seems like you pick the boss you want to go fight, um, and it's not one that sort of just drops or surprises you. Yeah, most of um, the time, yeah. unless you yeah. have a specific quest. Yeah, yeah, that that's probably the big difference between them in the sense that, yeah, the, it's probably the same sense of euphoria when you win in those games. Um and I don't know how much you actually fail at hunting the monster, Jonathan, or, you know, because I never really played Monster Hunter. But I know in, El- in like, the Soulsborne games, um, in Elden Ring, like, if you keep ramming your head against a boss for, like, five, six times when you finally do beat it, it's sort of like, it, it's like you, you just let out this yell or, you know, get excited about it. Um, I don't know if, if that sort of puts them in the same type category. And an important distinction here is that um, number of times you die is not necessarily that good of a measure because um, Monster Hunter 
missions are much longer, like okay. at least 15 minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've got three lives during that time. So um, whereas if you die in a like Dark Souls fight, it's usually maybe like less than a minute into the fight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so the time you are spending on a Dark Souls fight is going to be like less than or equal to how long the it takes you to succeed at the mission in Monster Hunter. Got it. That makes sense. Um, my turn. I was yeah. going to say, yeah, I was going to say fighting games, but Jen told that took that. So uh, <laughs> I am instead going to go with um, Minecraft and open world games. Um, so I'm specifically saying Minecraft and stuff like that because I I played Minecraft with friends um, on like a private server and they were super excited and they were building all uh, these houses that looked fantastic and um, elaborate contraptions and livestock farms and all this stuff. And like I they had all of that stuff built and I was like, I still just had like a hole in the ground. And I was like, where's the mine? <laughs> and they were like, which one? We got three. Uh, one guy was like, which one? I got three. And I was like, when did that happen? Because um, I am really bad. I'm really bad at learning the patterns that you need to craft things, what things you need to craft, um, coming up with a design for a like structures or anything that I want to build, um, thinking of what order figuring out like what order I should make things like that you need to mine things before you can um, make better tools that you need to get redstone or whatever to make elaborate contraptions to have a livestock farm and whatever. But you also need meat. Which one do you do you start getting cows before you have your contraption? That's your ultimate goal or whatever. Um, And um, when I every time I try to build a building or whatever, um, it just looks like garbage and is not (laughs) usable because um, I am, am not good at like laying them out um, in advance or in like thinking through the like best route, um, the best path through them and whatever. Um, so I, yeah, I, I'm just, and I, yeah. And um, Jen specifically called out that she's good at memorizing like the layout of an op- a large open world map. And that's a thing that I struggle with, with, like I said, trying to remember where mines and, lakes and all that stuff are um to get the things i need i think i'm in the same boat as you with this type of especially i was just zero in on minecraft um because every time my nieces try to get me to play with it i play them with them with it i just i just can't get the concept you know to to do this stuff or see in that dimension um in terms of building stuff um and i end up just doing things to make them mad where i just i just keep digging down and see how far I can oh go God, down. Oh, yeah. And then she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't see. I'm just hitting everything in front of me. And then they get mad. But, no, I, I see the point you're making, Jonathan, is I can't, which is weird to me, which is, I think, the frustrating thing on my end, which is why I didn't bring it up, um, because I just avoid Minecraft and all that, um, is that I can do city builder games and sims and things like that, where I can sort of do a good layout of things but when it comes to being in like the first person three-dimensional um you know aspect i it just goes and i can't all my houses are shaped wrong my roofs don't fit um you know i don't do something well enough and the zombies still get in um you know i've had nothing but bad luck um 
playing through those games. Yeah. Any, any advice, Jen? Um, <laughs> the best thing to do if you have, if you want to build, like, I, I get what you're saying, Jonathan, about feeling like you you build something and you put time into it and then you look at it and you're like, wow, this looks terrible. Or it doesn't make sense, the space that you're left with. Because everything is made out of those blocks and you have to figure out once you're done building your structure, how much space you're going to have inside the blocks and how much you're going to need for whatever you want to use it for. So what I did when I first started playing Minecraft, I looked up um, like some tutorials on either if you care about just the aesthetic on the outside, how it's going to look. You could find um, you could find super detailed like blueprint style things if you wanted to go that in depth into it. Or you could just look at someone's finished product from a distance and kind of look be like, okay, well, I know what they use to do that part. That looks really cool. So I'm going to do that too. So you could take inspiration from other people. Um, what I usually do, like, first of all, some people are so good at Minecraft and the strategy that goes into quickly mining resources that I kind of feel like that too most of the time. Like I, I'll join a server with my friends and they have all these achievements. They have diamond armor and they're just wildly good at the game already. And I'm like, how did you get to that point so quickly? Um, and I'm not that good, but it's really important when you start out to um, find a spot that maybe you want to build in and really close to that, just start digging digging down, not straight down like Mark, but digging <laughs> down. And eventually they make it really easy now to find a cavern or somewhere where there's a lot of um, different, what's the word? Just different things to collect that you're going to need. Like you need um, dirt and cobblestone and you can cut down trees and you could make better tools after that. And then you can collect animals and you can get resources from them. Um, you can grow potatoes and make them into baked potatoes, which is really easy and quick. And then you could have a constant source of health. So there's like little things like that that you can definitely look up online and find tips in that in that sort of way. Um, and it gets really complex after that. But um, as long as you are looking for resources constantly, you can get pretty far just by doing that, essentially. Um, are, are you at least having fun, Jonathan, when on the server? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that that was a while ago, and I don't play Minecraft anymore because I would much rather spend my time swinging a sword that explodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I... I appreciate the advice, Jen. Mm -hmm. Would it help if I told you that you can enchant your sword in Minecraft to make enemies catch on fire and potentially explode? It's not quite the same. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I tried. Well, at a, least at least yeah. Jen's advice the audience can take. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, for that. Um, um, and, and to jump in with the fighting game, Jen, that's also another genre of mine, except I, I'm just so bad at it that I make my opponents pissed off. <laughs> do you do like um, so, the the low kick just repeatedly because no, they can't no, really block that well? No, I'm not any good. Well. Like they like they end up beating me really easily, and oh. you know, and it's just like I, there's no. I'm like I'm not any good. I, yeah. I know how to I know how to do high points, low kick, and all that stuff. Yeah. Asking me to do any of the special moves or any of that? No, I'm sorry. I mean, there's there's video of me and Ant playing Street Fighter Four at like four in the morning, mm -hmm. and he literally just almost perfects me every time <laughs> and he's not even very good in that fighting games. but yeah so i i understand that's why i didn't mention that one mm -hmm. um despite the fact that that is another one that i just can't get it is because i don't have any fun playing it because mm -hmm. i just end up making the person i'm playing with rage um because <laughs> Wasn't like, that why, are kind of fun? So why are you so easy 
Oh, well, that's not fun, yeah. You know, that's the not fun part. Like, making them rage by beating them would be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't know if it was one of my friends or if it was Dan telling it about John. I forget where I heard the story, but about Fight Night, where someone just kept hitting the jab button, and the other person couldn't punch them, and then they ended up winning. (laughs) The person hitting with the jab, and it made them, like, throw their controller across the room, and I'm like... Yeah. I'm like, I'm... I don't know if I'm, I could never get to that level with those yeah. games, but yeah, I think even for the audience listening out there, I I think there's going to be a good sec that falls into the three categories we mentioned um, and, and yours, big boss um, <laughs> games as well. You know, I think the other big one is sports, but that's more, you have to know the games to sort of like the game, meaning the, the sport they're based off of to even enter into that realm nowadays. Like, you used to be able to play, like, NBA Jam and things like that, you know, back in the day if you didn't know basketball. Um, and could have some fun or blitz or stuff like that. But doing any sports games nowadays, if you don't know the rules of the game, you're going to be like, ah, I have no idea. Mm. You know, there's no more arcade sports games. Um, but that is another genre that some people can be really good at. Like, the people that buy PS5s and Xbox Series X um, <laughs> just to play Madden. Or MLB The Show. That, or MLB The Show. <laughs> um, well, now I can buy that on any system. All right. I can even get it on my Switch, uh, which that game should look great. Um, but yeah, n- you know, you know, nowadays I don't even think you could do like the fun we have playing. You know, some of the genres um, that we're not really good at with sports games because they're so intricately detailed with the rules of the games they're playing. You know, that there's no arcadey level stuff, which is why I'm excited. For Super Mario Strikers, um, because, you know, they, uh, Mario has failed in his last couple bringing back the sports games. Um, you know, you know, Mario Aces wasn't great and Super Rush wasn't awesome, um, playable, but they weren't like what the old games were. So I'm hoping Strikers is good. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think I think the I think the world um, of video games needs that kind of stuff back. Um, but yeah, I've. Yeah, if there's anything else to add, I thought this was a great topic. Yeah, it was. And it, you know, you know, it's a good, good conversation to have about. You know, we're on these gaming podcasts and do all these streams, but um, and think about this even with the journalists and other streamers you watch. You know, it doesn't mean we're good at everything. Right. <laughs> you know, we may dabble in everything, but you know, there are games that we either get frustrated and bounce off of and never play, or games that we just play despite being terrible at them. You know, you know, it's not. Just because you put yourself out there and talk about games doesn't mean you're an expert on everything. So right. keep that in mind, even when you're looking at the big video game websites to get paid for it. Those even people. though even though two of us have done speed runs recently and the yeah. third has done challenge runs. Yes. So. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're the exception, Jonathan, is, is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, you laugh at that. I actually, years ago... Um, you know, was trying to see if I could do the, um, you know, Legend of Zelda, you know, no glitches speed run. Um, you know, I was like, had the, had the timer and had, you know, the routes and stuff down, but I just couldn't dedicate myself enough to be good at it. The randomizers are enough fun to do that um, with, but yeah, yeah, speed running is a thing. And I would even say some of those speed runners might not be good at other games. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh yeah so um that leads us into our um uh, retro roulette game which 
get speed run a lot or speed ran speed run um but yeah so uh this week uh me and jen um because uh, uh jonathan was not here for the last podcast and um we played through ducktales um the nes game um which is probably most famously known for the theme of the moon level mm-hmm. um of anything in this game um some of the things i had completely forgotten before playing it um and i'm interested to see what jen um saw um is... i did play it oh you did play it yeah oh nice okay i i thought you would say you <laughs> kind of got the chance to so okay everybody's in on this so what i was saying is i had forgotten that it was semi like open in terms of you know they do gate you like you can't go everywhere you know um you do some levels and they go well you got to go back to this level to get the special key you know at times but it was a lot more less structured than tailspin um which i had played more recently and more often um so that was the first initial thought of i had but jen i know you had just finished up playing it um before the podcast so Mm -hmm. what's your fresh takes on it (laughs) yeah so i personally felt like this was definitely not an easy platformer by any means and i learned very quickly that you needed the book it came with to know what the heck the controls were because uh this wasn't the whole jump on the enemy's head to kill them type game you actually have to pogo stick on the enemy's head to kill them uh so i looked up the controls just to make sure that i knew how to play and kind of felt like the pogo stick was a little annoying to have to hit i think it was like a and down and then release that and hit b to like keep it going i don't know but um, so, yeah, you can either do that to kill enemies or some of them you could hit with your cane, but that's much more rare, at least in the levels that I played through. Um, I found the first level to be really annoying because especially because of the bees, I think the bees are my only <laughs> like weakness in the first level, because sometimes they would start off screen in the middle of a jump. They would just be like, here I am coming straight at your head. And there was no way to avoid it. Um, while, my, while I was pogoing specifically, <laughs> that would happen a lot. Um, or I would like hit a bee and then get tossed into one of the plants that grabs you. So it was just kind of like spread very quickly into me dying and losing all my lives like in a row. Um, I did not beat the, the first level. I got really close, like right where Tom kept getting close to that one bridge part. Yeah. And then I just kept getting hit by one bee that just kept killing me. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I want to go on. So I actually went through the second level and I beat it pretty easily. So I was like, oh, OK, this probably should have been the first level because it seemed a lot easier. And I don't know if you guys would agree with that. Um, but then I got really cocky and I jumped back to the first level and I still couldn't beat the stupid bees. <laughs> <laughs> so then I skipped to the moon level because I know how much everyone loves it. And I think it's only because of the music, because that level was really hard. Yeah. Um, I got really frustrated at the moving platform where I think you have to pogo on the enemy's head, jump onto the platform, and then be prepared to jump over the little alien. So I couldn't do that, and that's when I stopped playing. But <laughs> I can tell you from the time that I spent, which was about two hours messing around with it, um, it takes a lot of patience, and it's definitely necessary to observe and learn the pattern of some of the enemies to try to avoid them, like the second level with the ghosts. If you watch their flight pattern, you can figure out, okay, now I know where to duck down without getting hit when I'm going through this one section. Um, That being said, I don't like playing games where I have to do that. That's just me. I just want to play without having to, like, look at the bees and study their flight patterns. 
Um, but for someone who really likes platformers and is used to doing this, this would be a lot of fun, I'm assuming. Um, and I could definitely see the enjoyment behind the parts that annoyed me because like finding the secret areas and the extra loot is really awesome. And I really appreciated the fact that you can get your lives back in this game. So yeah. where it was frustrating, it did attempt to make up for it and stuff like that. So it wasn't the worst game I've ever played. I just didn't really have a lot of fun playing it. It was a little frustrating for me. Yeah, um, I, but not I terrible. Feel, yeah, I feel I have to watch a speed run of it just to see if this is true. But I feel like this is one of those platformers that's one of those you never stop moving. Mm. Like the enemies are timed perfectly that if you get into a rhythm, you can just run through the levels. I did yeah. notice that at the start of the first level because I was messing around with that at one point, yeah. And I was like, I'm just not going to stop pogoing. And I got through almost the whole first section yeah. with just going in a straight line. And I was like, oh. Yeah, because Jungle Book was like that, the one yeah. that I had a really tough time with. Um, and, you know, I watched the speed run and the person just never stopped. It was bang, <laughs> like jumping on things and then hitting the swing and then yeah. swinging. And then it's like, oh, this is, if you get the pattern down, everything's timed. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, Jonathan, thoughts? Yeah, um, I didn't get very far at all in any level because I had a really hard time doing the pogo stick. Yeah. Um, yeah. On the controls. Hard. I When I tried to play Hollow Knight a while ago, I also had a lot of trouble with that because it's it's got the same thing where you do like down an attack to um, bounce on hazards. And I I can't do it. I can't. Yeah. I have so much trouble um, hitting like left or right on a D-pad as well as down at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and then I feel like for DuckTales, if you shouldn't have to hit down to Pogo because whatever button it is, doesn't do anything on its own really yes exactly and and so the only thing you ever do with that button is hit hold it while you press um down while you're also pressing in another direction mm -hmm. um and i was fine with hitting um jump and then like holding pogo at the same time or pogoing in the middle uh, like at the height of your jump or whatever um except for the down button and then when i tried to do that i would suddenly stop moving to the left or right um, and just plunge down. And then that means that I don't uh, bounce on the enemy's head. I bounce on the ground right in front of them, and then they hit me, and then I die. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> then the moon music, I didn't stand out as much to me. I think part of that is just because I've heard that music a lot in yeah. other contexts and whatever. Um, and also because the DuckTales theme song is just so good. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, I love this song from the DuckTales game. And I'm like, the theme song. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. They're like, no, no, this other song. I'm like, oh, okay, no. I guess it's fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, That's all I got. Okay. Yeah, so obviously the genre of game, I, I had the same difficulties as Jonathan. Um, needing to do more than just run and jump um, it frustrated me a little bit. Um, I, I think the most fun I had was just um you know poking around at all the different levels and just seeing the biomes and um things that 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 they did and, you know um the the idea of you know having like i guess semi side quest within a level um that would help you get specials or treasure or whatever um was fun i i did um play through some of the levels i i clocked into the game genie and did the game genie codes um just to just to check it out but yeah, essentially, it, it reminded me that I think the game I enjoyed more um, was Tailspin um, than than this game um, 
because when I when I loaded it up and I saw, even saw Tom load it up, I'm like, this isn't the thing I remember playing a lot of. Um, and then I popped in Tailspin after this. I was like, oh, okay, this is the game I played more of, mm-hmm. um, you know, going forward. But, yeah, it's very much now, I know a lot of people say this, and it might not even be really true, but I put games like this into that genre of, you know, those NES hard games where they're sometimes hard for no reason. Um, like there's no reason to do the pogo stick and make it really difficult to, you know, do. You could have just had the pogo stick be A or B, you know, you know, it could have been when you jumped, you also pogoed, you know, um, but they, because they had such limited controls, they wanted it to feel special to do things and it just made the games more difficult. It's even though she beat the game, Jen, um, I, I put the, the grappling hook in Bionic Commando. Um, in the same realm, um, where once you get used to it and you get really good at it, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I see all this. But if you can't just grasp it from the beginning, it makes it, you know, unrealistically hard. Yeah, it's like uh, daunting to yeah, play it. Yeah, so that was essentially what I felt with this game with the pogo stick. Um, I like the idea of the richest man in the world going around and collecting diamonds. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> kind of fun. Um, I did like the cameos by, you know, some of the... Um, you know, villains you remember growing up or villains in quotes because it's a, a DuckTales thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we couldn't remember if, I, I forgot to look it up, if, what that one girl's name was, whether it was Duckula or Quackula or whatever. I think it was Quackula. Quackula. <laughs> I think um, so. But yeah, yeah, just the fun stuff like that, that that, that cartoon um, still invokes. Um, but yeah, yeah, I had... Um, more fun with it when I turned on the cheats, obviously, um, just to see how certain things were designed. Um, but yeah, they were no different than like there's not some great thing when you can't get hurt, <laughs> you know, that comes out and goes, oh, I see what they were doing here, you know. If you get really good at it, no, it's all the same thing. Um, it was just fun to see some some other parts of levels, but yeah, yeah, I'm glad I'm I'm glad we played it because. You know, I now have that confusion out of my brain over Tailspin or DuckTales. Um, and uh, that I am glad of. So um, I guess we'll do real quick uh, the scores here. Um, I'll go first. Um, I'll give it a, a solid three out of five. Um, it's I'm a little more generous on games like this because I don't know if it's me being terrible at a platformer or not. But for the time period, um, which I also wait in my thing, um, I think they did enough to incorporate the license and the music and, um, you know, characters and stuff like that and and not make it look out of place or, you know, you want you look at some of the license game from this time period and games like Back to the Future and things like that um, that do a really piss poor job of it. Um, so I give some points for that. So I'm going I'm going three. OK, I'll go next. Um so I'm giving this game a two and a half out of five. Um, overall, I thought the game was okay, and it bordered on frustrating and annoying for me. Um, the music was cool. It looked nice. Um, it it took a while to get used to the controls, like we were just saying. Um, but there is a way to figure out timing and patterns, like I said, to make it even easier. Um, but just the effort that I had to put into doing that was not worth it for me. I also gave them props for making Scrooge's little duck butt wiggle in the air when you're pogoing through a tiny space. I enjoyed that. <laughs> but other than that, I didn't really enjoy playing this game. 
Um, so that's why I'm giving it a, I was going to give it a two, but then the last game I gave a 1.5 and that was so bad. I'm like, I can't make that. I can't yeah. compare these two cause this wasn't that bad. So two out of five, two and a half out of five for me. I am not going to do anything, any fancy scoring system this time. I'm just going to give it a three. I think it's a lot better than a lot of Nest Plus platformers. And, um, I think it's probably one of the best net Nest platformers you've covered so far. Like if I were to recommend a, someone play a single Nest platformer, which is not a scenario that ever comes up in my life. Um, <laughs> but, but if it did. Yeah, <laughs> but if it did. Um, because the music and I I think the level design and stuff is generally pretty good. Um, it's it's really just the controls for me. Um, that That is a hurdle that I would take an extremely long time for me to get over. And I the game is not good enough to encourage me to do that. So uh, be sure to let us your, know your thoughts if you played along with us um, playing DuckTales for the NES um, over at our Twitter account, at GameVaultPod. Um, or if you're in our Discord, um, which you can request to get in, I'm sure through the Twitter, um, you know, and we can have discussions there. So um, without further ado, for the first time, let me stretch it out. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin that wheel. Oh, uh, this this game I'm interested to see Jen's opinion on. Uh, we got uh, Parasite Eve for the PS1. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I'm I didn't know Tom I'm, owned that. I'm surprised this was in Tom's group of games. I'm shocked. I'm shocked as well. I didn't use any other list to spin for this game at all. Huh. Yeah, Tom, why have you been hiding Parasite Eve for the PS1 <laughs> from us? <laughs> oh, man, I knew that was all an act, the RE2 stuff. Um, so, yeah. So be sure, um, just because this game is probably impossible to find, this is one of the rare times where I'll say you can probably find it somewhere on the internet, whether it's, you know, through, you know, our favorite uncle or archive.org or something like that, um, if you want to play along with us, um, you know. And, you know, I, I'm I'm interested to see Jen's opinion. I have played the first two hours of this game. Um, when it first came out, I saved up to buy it on release day and just like, kind of like Jonathan with, uh, uh, since he didn't get to say in his segment, Safo, um, I was, I was very disappointed, um, going through cause it, they had built it as like a, a, a survival horror RPG, um, which it probably ends up being, but it wasn't what I was expecting when I was 12, 13 years old. So <laughs> I am excited to hear some opinions on this. I'm excited so, to play. Yeah. So we made it, guys. First Yay. episode about Tom. Um, we wish him and his family the best. He's probably, hopefully, at this point, when this gets <laughs> released on Monday. Um, oh, my God. The brand new Schuster is in the world. Um, so uh, like Tom said, he'll be out um, for a couple months here. Um, so we'll probably definitely will see him on the podcast here. I have a feeling he may pop in for streams um, because he's not going to be able to stay away after once he gets into a routine um, with the baby. Um, you know, even if he doesn't hop on to be on there, but we'll see him in chat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So uh, a whole new era here until Tom returns. Um, it feels like substitute teacher time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Good. So tonight you'll uh, watch me um, play through 
parts that I've already done and seen other people play through of Parasite Eve, but the opening is pretty nutty, um, and it only gets more insane from there, I hear. Um, and I will point out one of the things that disappointed me the most when I showed the game tonight. Um, so, um, mention the other podcasts we do. We uh, They call us Movie, our movie podcast airs every Thursday. Be sure to check it out wherever you get podcasts. We're on all socials at TCTAMPod. That's T-C-T-A-M pod. Um, wherever TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you, whatever social media you're on. Um, and uh, Jen, um, what's our streaming schedule? So we're still streaming on the same days that you're used to us, uh, but we're still up in the air as far as what exactly we're doing on those days. But we're we're getting closer to solidifying it for you guys. So Mondays are still uh, either going to be Retro Roulette hosted by Mark or it is going to be his, I believe we're calling it your randomizer day. I forget yeah. exactly the name that you gave it. I don't want to yeah. ruin it. Yeah, I will, I, will, I will come up with one. If I already said it, I'll probably come up with a better one by the time I have to do it again. Okay. Uh, so please stay tuned for that with more details coming soon. Wednesdays is still our co-op day where we're jumping on. Um, I believe we may be transitioning to Dead by Daylight because I'm taking over that day and I'm the captain now. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes, <laughs> but we'll let you guys know. Um, and then Thursdays is uh, another stream with Mark, and that's also in the works. It's pretty much just a variety stream as of right now. Um, I know at one point you did want to do a co-op stream again, so we just got to figure out the details behind yeah, that. Yeah, a couple of the, couple of the uh, random access Mondays. I like that. <laughs> random access um, Monday. Yeah, so yeah, I was thinking some of the co-op stuff I was thinking of doing um, either fell through because um, we couldn't decide on a game or... Mm -hmm. Just that the game I was thinking of doing, that person ended up not liking that game um, that had co-op in it. Um, so um, we'll, we'll we'll be working on it to see if I can get someone else um, in on streams and stuff. But um, for now, it might just be randomizers and, you know, maybe vampire survivors. Um, just because I love that perfectly great setup that I have for my vampire survivor stream. Well, just so you know, Mark, if you ever want to co-op on Thursdays, I'm happy to play Phasma with you. I, I said good games. <laughs> I don't think you said good games. I didn't hear that. Well, I say it now. It's the, okay. It, Fine. I say Fine. games with a story. I don't know. Okay. I'm trying to think of ways to eliminate Phasmo. <laughs> You're saying the vampire survivor has more of a story than Phasmo? <laughs> yes, we're surviving vampires. I mean, come on. as opposed to surviving ghosts. <laughs> vampires are real, James. <gasps> I couldn't think of a more ridiculous statement to say that. Okay. Um, but no, no. Vampire Survivors, to be honest, um, I was going to use a different word that Dan would have made fun of me for. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's just basically a placeholder when I have nothing else to do. It's like I can, I can play this for an hour and a half um, and talk the chat. Um, so, but I do want to get back on the horse with, with something co-op. We need to find something like It Takes Two mm -hmm. um, that'll be fun to play through. There is there is a game that I have in mind, but it looks extremely frustrating. But I'll I'll bring it up to you off. Yeah, off yeah, podcast. yeah, we can talk. You know. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's the streaming. Um, as you know, we're an affiliate of Stone Age Gamer. Um, just go. Um, we have a link I believe will be in the description. Um, which I have to remember to make sure I get correct. Um, when posting this podcast, or if I send this to Tom, I don't think we discussed this. Not that we should be saying it on air, but um. Yeah, so um, make sure you follow the link um, that's in there. And, um, yeah, I think that's it, guys. Um, so thank you um, to Jenny and Jonathan. Um, 
we will keep an eye on the Twitter to see if we uh, have Jonathan back as a guest or if someone else will be filling the rotating seat. Um, but yeah, that that's basically the plan um, is to, you know, um, just have somebody fill that third. Um, unless if it's absolutely necessary, it'll just be me and Jen. But it's always fun to bounce it off a third person. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, enjoy the stream tonight. Bye.